Welcome to the We Nation podcast. I'm your host, Uncle Devin, the children's drum cushionist. And coming up is my interview with the one and only teaching artist and singer, Wincy Terry Bryant. And I think we now have the one and only Wincy online with us. Oh, my gosh. Am I on? You are on. All right. How you doing, Uncle Devin? uh, I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Trying to figure out all these different platforms. Well, that's what I that's what I was just talking about, how all of us really has had to shift. We had to shift huge when as a result of um COVID nineteen and um sure. and so I, I can imagine. So th- let's talk a little bit about that. Before we even get into who you are and what you do, um I wanna talk a little bit about I mean what what adjustments have you had to make over the last two, two and a half months since uh we had the the shutdown? Yeah, well everything uh that I was doing out and about, I'm I'm a very um interactive type of artist. So a teaching artist and a professional singer, um but everything that I did was really for live audiences and mm-hmm. I really feel the withdrawal kind of being taken taken away from being able to just reach out and touch people literally. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's um an adjustment for all of us. And, and by the way, I, I know you, uh, um, you have a wonderful phone. I think it picks up everything in the background. So I want you to know that that's, that's, that's there. Cause I'm doing the same thing. I'm sitting here eating my uncle Devin popcorn and I got to remember I can't be smacking on. <laughs> on the <Uh-oh>. Okay. <laughs> but, um, so I want to take this opportunity really just to kind of do a deep dive on, um, Winsico, I know that's your. Uh, I guess is that your your industry name? Um, uh, is it Winsico? Is that am I pronouncing that correctly? Winsico, that is how you pronounce it exactly, and it is my industry name. But my first name is Wincy. Okay, and so I I didn't have to get too far from my first name to come up with something that everybody else wouldn't have. So right. I just named it after me. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about you. And I know you and I have really just met over the last six weeks, if not less than that. Um, And, you know, through the fact that both of us are teaching artists. But before we even get into teaching artists and all the work that you're doing, who is Wincy Co? Who is Wincy? Uh, Where you uh, where did you grow up at? And how did you get into music? Okay. All right. Well, uh, Wincy is uh, an a well, let's start with my name. So my name was my grandmother's name, and um, I am a singer, a teaching artist. I am a mother of three grown, wonderful, compassionate, caring Black men. Um, I'm married. Uh, I am a member of, of my church. My church is here in um, Irvington. I'm a New Jersey, Jersey girl born and raised mm-hmm. and I'm raised in the church. And so still doing a lot of the work that I do in church, out church, a lot of community activism, mm-hmm. um, that kind of stuff. And then I'm a teaching artist. I am a writer. I am a, a publisher. I am a, a, I am a producer. So, you know, much like you, Uncle Devin, artists wear many, many different hats. Man, these hats are heavy sometimes too, but uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> we got to wear them. Okay, so you grew up um, in, in what part of Jersey? I'm in Union, New Jersey, but I was raised in Newark. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in, in Newark. Are you a preacher's kid by any chance? 
I'm not a preacher's kid. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm not a preacher preacher's kid. Um, my husband and I are, I think, like first generation preachers. And I mm-hmm. think his, his grandfather was a preacher, but um, and I'm not a hold your ear kind of preacher, but I do stand behind the desk and. Mm-hmm. Share information. Oh, okay. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Good. So talk to us a little bit about music. Um, I'm sure that, you know, the, your, your religious background kind of, you know, like many of us, you know, I grew up in the church too. So my, some of my earliest influences was getting experience playing, singing uh, in the church. But how did you get into music and, um, and how is that, how, um, and, and what are you doing now in the, in the music industry? Yeah, so I was um, the, the church that I was raised in. We had an acapella choir. I thought growing up that um, we were acapella because we were just so good we didn't need music. But I learned later that we just couldn't afford a musician, mm-hmm. so we had to be that good. Right. And um, the the woman who raised me musically, her name is Carolyn Dale. She had perfect pitch. Mm. And I didn't know I didn't know to appreciate that until I actually got out in the industry and learned like what a rarity something like that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she could like hear a pin drop, and she we had um, twelve, fifteen girls in the choir, mm-hmm. and she would just kind of like hum, and we would all fall in on our notes just from the training that she had given us. Wow. So I'm I'm raised there, and yeah. somebody sent me an. Uh, somebody sent me a, a message saying that there's a producer who's having a, a an audition and I think you could get it. You should go. And I went and I did get it. However, mm-hmm. uh, I, I said to the man who I mm-hmm. didn't know at the time, mm-hmm. I said to him, he said, you got the job, be here tomorrow at um, four o'clock. And I said, well, I can't be here at four o'clock because I have to work. But what I'll do is I'll work through my lunch and I'll be here at five. And he said, next, wow. right in the middle of my explanation, and I, so I got the job and lost the job all in like the same sentence. How old were you in? How old were you? I in? was, I was in my early twenties. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, it taught me a really valuable lesson. I never made that mistake again. And when I go and do like, um, when I speak at schools and talk about careers and do career day and things like that, I always tell people, you want to be ready for whatever opportunities are coming your way. Mm-hmm. Right. And people don't want to hear your excuses. They don't want to know your reasons why you either have your reason or your result. You never have both. So say yes and then work the details out later. Figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, figure <laughs> it out. And so that's what I've been doing ever since then. So I never got that opportunity back. And the, the man was Paul Simon and the play he was putting up was Aida. What? And yes. And so every time I saw like the news about Aida and I saw Deborah Cox and every, I was like, that's my job. (laughs) So I learned a valuable lesson. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Figure it out. I mean, even if you say, okay, and then later on something comes up, at least try to figure it out. And who knows your job would have, may have would have said, you know what, go ahead and do it this one time. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I learned a really valuable lesson from that. And like I said, I never made that mistake again, but something good came out of that because the gentleman who was running the auditions for Paul Simon remembered me and he called me two years later and he said, I remember you, you don't have to audition again, but I have a spot in my acapella group. 
Mm-hmm. And I guess from, you know, he, he remembered that I sang acapella and he said, I, you can you can do this without even auditioning because I remember you. So wow. he had a very good ear and um, he just gave me the address to where I was supposed to come for rehearsal. Mm-hmm. But they didn't tell me where the gig was going to be. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I came to maybe two rehearsals and then they gave me the address for the gig and it was in Astoria, Queens. Mm-hmm. And I had never, like, I didn't have experience, like, taking a subway or anything like that. So I drove my car and I looked around for parking and I went to this studio and it was actually Kaufman Astoria Studios. And it, it, the job was singing for the Cosby show on Brinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So that's, yeah. So that was, like, my first job. It was incredible. So. So when you say singing for the Cosby show, you're talking about the theme song or you're talking about... Okay, so that's a great question. So when you watch, the, if you've ever seen the show, you know, you see them in the living room and then you see them in the kitchen. And mm-hmm. So it takes time to move those cameras from one room to the next. Right. So they would have our group standing on the side. And when they had to move the cameras, they would like call us out there to sing to entertain the audience. Because if the audience starts moving and walking around and talking, they mm-hmm. lose a lot of time and it makes a lot of noise. And like we were talking about microphones, the microphones will pick up everything. So our job was to like dazzle them, keep them in oh. their seats. Oh, okay. Entertainment. Yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. wow. That's yeah. wonderful. It was great. It was really great. How, how long did you do that? I did that for four seasons. So, yeah, it it lasted a while. It was good. It was, you know, and it was only on Thursdays, but they would take two shows a Thursday and Mm -hmm. I had to be there at three. And so I was able to work that out with my job um, Mm -hmm. until I finally, you know, left the job. But just on Thursdays, I needed to get there at three and sometimes we would be there till 11. But um, everybody came to the Cosby show. So that's like one thing led to another. That's how I actually got that single that I ended up doing with um, Moni Love. Yeah, and I want to talk a little bit about that because I, you know, looking on your website and looking in your photo gallery, you know, I kept looking. I'm like, okay, so she got a picture with this. Per- okay, so she got a picture. With- okay, so here's Kara's one. Okay, wait a minute. Now there's a, uh, and I, and so, so you were you were there. So you so even before we get into the the Moni Love and how you made that transition, I I gotta ask being um, that I guess I'm in entertainment with everything going on with Bill Cosby now. What is your take on any of that, if I may ask? Um, how did, you know, like many of us, you know, I'm hurt. I, I'm, I was really hurt, um, you know, by what's going what, by what he has done and what he's been proven to have done. Um, but what's your experience there and, and how, how has this impacted you? Well, hurt is the word. My, mm-hmm. I, my heart is broken about the entire situation. I. I spent, like I said, four seasons with him. I never saw anything that was even remotely inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, it it breaks my heart to have his reputation um, maligned like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tell people, even if you are proven innocent about some sort of scandal, you will always still be identified as the person who was involved in the scandal. Like, right. isn't that the person that they said such and such? So um, I I don't I don't know. Of course, I wasn't there. I don't know what happened. And I I believe that there was um, I, I believe that there was some piggybacking, you know, that mm-hmm. you know, people jumped on the, the mm-hmm. uh, gravy train. And um, I believe that there was some gunning for the reputation Mm-hmm. And okay. that's it, it. It hurts. It just you know we don't have a lot of heroes, mm-hmm. and so that really 
if anybody does anything illegal, then of course they need to they need to pay for it. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm so I'm so broken that mm-hmm. somebody that I always looked up to and really was was a winner for us as a people. Yeah. Ended up going out like that. And, you know, my and my Uncle Devin name, uh, at least in part of my uh, elevator pitch, I used to say that the Uncle Devin show is an interactive musical experience for children that uses drums and percussion to cultivate their minds. And I still say that part. But the last Mm -hmm. part, I used to say a dynamic cross between Fat Albert and Schoolhouse Rock. And I did a poll online and asked a lot of my fans, do they think based on everything that was going on, do I need to now pivot away from the Fat Albert show, which I still love? You know, uh, it was one of the few, if I can really, maybe the only other than the maybe the the, the Jackson 5 cartoon uh, that was a black cartoon that that kind of reflected the community to some extent. And so I, I. yeah, I decided to pivot away from it. Now, you know, yeah. it's um, you know, a dynamic cross between DC's Trouble Funk and Schoolhouse mm-hmm. Rock, and I don't oh, mind man. that because um, Trouble Funk is somewhat, you know, it's connected that not only with DC Go Go but with uh, New York hip hop. So, um, so you got a chance to meet, and and uh, I guess you you didn't. Uh, how did the whole thing come about with you working with Moni Love? Well, you know, everybody came to see the Cosby Show. Everybody mm-hmm. came to see the show. So celebrities were always there. And the Fine Young Cannibals came. They had that song, She Drives Me Crazy. Yeah. You know, oh, so, yeah. They came. so they came to see the show and they were producing the rapper Moni Love. And they asked the group about singing. They wanted to do something different. And so they were thinking, you know what? It might be nice if we had this group involved somehow. And so they called us over to the studio and Nobody knew the song except me. What? It was it was an old song. So mm-hmm. I was I have much older brothers and sisters. So when they started the song, they were thinking they were gonna have to teach it to everybody. And I was like, oh, it's a shame. They think, oh, you know that song. And the rest of the guys were like, because I was the only girl in the group. Mm-hmm. So the rest of the guys were like, what song is this song? Is so old. How we don't. So nobody knew it. So that's how it ended up being me, featuring me. And so when Moni went on the road, all she had to take was me. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that something? I know, right? Uh, so now once you did that, and so what's the connection with Moni? And and um, and, and how, how impactful was that to your career? Well, that was an incredible experience because, I mean, all of that stuff happened so, like, consecutively. So I'm a, like, I'm a a little choir girl, and then I step right out of the choir, like, onto these big mega stages. I go right to the Cosby Show, and then we, then I work, I go right to Moni Love. Like, they come pluck me out of the Cosby Show almost, and then Moni goes on the road, and then... Uh, Tom Jones hears about the group and he's trying to revamp his career. So then he calls on the group. And then, I mean, it was just like one thing after another. It was a, it was a whirlwind. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, of course, everybody was at that time, like the rappers, the music was very wholesome at that time. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, rappers were looking for, you know, like the, like a, a clear sound. So that's how I got to work with KRS and uh, uh, Africa Baby Bam 
you know, Africa Baby Bambata and people like that who were just doing their thing. And some stuff didn't actually make it to, um, didn't make it to mainstream, but mm-hmm. um, a lot of records. I'm on a lot of records. I ended up writing some stuff for Groove Theory. Tell mm-hmm. me if you want. You remember them? So mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I ended up getting a lot of stuff, like a lot of work consecutively uh, before the road got to be taxing and um, I wanted to do something where I could be closer to home. Oh, wow. So if I, if I can digress a little bit, you know, Karis One is absolutely probably one of my favorite because uh, growing up, you know, I I grew up like most people listening to a lot of R&B. But once I got to college mm-hmm. and I, I joined the student movement, everything was about struggle. I didn't want to hear nothing. I, I was mm-hmm. I mean, love songs just didn't register to me. I, I, I really felt when uh, Spike Lee was saying what the world needs now is mm-hmm. not another love song. You know, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. I, I wanted just straight. Uh, you know, uh, politics. So I, I gravitated to Court KRS One. What what work did you do with him? Uh, we did. So he was doing a. Um, he was producing a. She was his. I don't even want to. I don't know what she was to him, but he was. She was. He was producing a record for a young lady. I I can almost say her name. I know it has something to do with an M, but I can't remember now. Miss, Miss Melody. I think that's right. I think yeah, that's right. Miss Miss Melody. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and, um, and so he had me come in and do some background stuff and some feature work. And, um, I don't, I don't even know if the stuff made it to the record. Cause you sure. know, when you almost turn into a session singer, like people are just calling mm-hmm. you for their sessions. That's right. It's hard to track every project. In mm-hmm. fact, I did a, a project with, um, Grover Washington and a lot. Also, when you go into the studio with four people, sometimes you don't actually see those people That's in right. the studio. You know, That's right. so so um, I did a track for Grover Washington, and somebody actually called me from a concert years later and said they're running your voice on a like on a loop here, and that's how I found out that my voice actually made it to the track. Wow, and and I can see that because you know I, I I haven't done much session work, but I have done some, and in fact, um, uh, one of the uh, children's artists. Uh, sent the information to me to be played on We Nation Radio, and it turns out I'm on it. <laughs> I oh my god! And uh, it was and and it was my first time ever playing the spoons. The song okay. was called the song was called Kitchen Band, um, Wendy and uh, DB, and so um, so I thought that was that was neat. So so let's so how did you come to doing or uh, being a teaching artist? And from your understanding, how would you even define a teaching artist for those who may have never heard of that? Yeah, so that's a good question too. So um, I backed into teaching artists' work like uh, just kind of like I backed into this career of mine. Like somebody just called me and said, "There's a job, and I think you could get it." And I didn't know what I was going for. And so this kind of thing happened with my teaching artistry. I came off the road, and um, my sister said to me, uh, "I said I can't go back to corporate." I just couldn't go back to corporate. I couldn't. I said, I can't go back to corporate. And um, she said, well, let's figure out something that you could do. What do you you like to do? I said, well, I love music and I love kids. And she was a school teacher at the time. And she said, "Um, I'm going to ask my principal if maybe you could come to the school and do something for the kids. And I was thinking, what would I do? She said, I don't know. You you could do these things that they call assemblies. Like maybe you could tell some stories. Mm -hmm. So the next holiday quote unquote like celebration would have been black history month 
Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, you know what? We had an aunt who was really into the history and she would always tell us that, you know, black people are brilliant and we've done really great things and, and you never find our history in the books like written by us. So you don't really know what we're responsible for or capable of. And she's, she would always say, somebody's got to tell that story. Somebody's got to tell. So I made up these stories like from mm-hmm. the research that I had done about Billie Holiday and Rosa Parks and things like that. And um, went to the school and my sister kind of helped me shape it. Like, okay, it needs to be 30 minutes or 45 minutes long. And you can tell a story and sing a song and tell a story. So I got one of my friends from church who played the piano, like not my own church, but like a net, the network of churches that we had, we would fellowship with. Mm-hmm. And he came along with me and I would just talk and then sing and talk and then sing. And the principal came over at the end and she was crying. And I was thinking it was that bad. Was like, this was so great. I'm going to tell all my friends. And she told like her friends in that neighborhood. And I did the same eight schools for like eight years before I decided, you know what, I, I really want to do this. I'm going to develop some more programs. But wow. that's how I kind of backed into it, like storytelling. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, and, you know, uh, and I wish I even had that experience. I mean, I remember in elementary school when they were teaching artists that came to the school. I can even remember some of the jokes and stuff that they told. And I was just so amazed by it. I always remembered it, but never, ever, ever, ever thought about it again until um, maybe 2011, 2012, when I became when I was introduced to the whole children's music industry. Ah. Um, and it was there that I realized, wow, there's so many different avenues to this. Yes. There's work in the theater. There's work as a teaching artist where we go into schools. And and, and, and I'm going to have you also talk a little bit about. So, you know, what does it mean now to you as a teaching artist uh, doing assemblies and then let alone just being an entertainer? There's just yeah. so many different options. How would you define um, uh, teaching artists for those who may not have heard it? Well, so. There, I think that, like you and I were talking about the hats, yes. I, I think that there are so many entries to the like teaching artist career. So I am a teaching artist who tells stories and sings and does assembly programs and trains teachers to use the performing arts to teach the regular school curriculum. Uh-huh. I think a teaching artist could be defined as anyone who takes their teaching and makes it artistic, like however okay. they choose to do that. Okay. All right. And so give me some examples of, of what you have done as a teaching artist. Um, so if there's a teacher listening, how can the, how can a teacher benefit from your work? Oh, okay, great. So um, one of the things that I do is train teachers. So I can take any story, any lesson, and turn it into something dramatic or something musical. Cause that is my, uh, that's my level of artistry. Like that's my genre, uh, music and drama. Mm-hmm. So if a teacher would want to, uh, if a teacher would want to learn from a teaching artist, then they would say, okay, I like, I, I need to teach math. I need to teach children how to borrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I would say, okay, let's write a jingle where you teach children the components of borrowing. That's Those are the things that I train teachers in. So go next door, crawl, solve, make the correction, bring the one home, like a little jingle that the mm-hmm. kids can sing forever. And the teacher will remember it so she can use it over and over again. And it kind of takes 
like a, a lot of the grunt work out of a classroom because people learn things a lot faster and they retain them longer if they are enjoying themselves. That's what studies say. So if, they, if they're enjoying themselves when they're learning, then uh, it takes the, the effort out of learning. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. That, and, and so, um, do you do any professional development for just teachers by themselves without the students? Yes. Yep. So okay. I do, I do trainings for teachers. I hold PDs. So teachers know what those are. So I hold professional uh, development trainings actually online. Now I also go into the classroom and I do like what we would call live demonstrations. And then I also run teacher workshops. So where the district will get all of the kindergarten teachers or all of the teachers from pre-K to first grade. And I'll run these uh, half day or two day workshops for teachers to show them like to unpack a bunch of strategies and give them things for their toolbox so that they can go right to the class, back to the class and put it right on its feet as soon as they get in there. And that's so empowering for teachers because they want to find new and innovative ways to introduce topics to children Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, they're with the same ch- child day in and day out for months. So they this will be this gives them some some opportunities to make the lessons engaging right. um, and to give them an opportunity to step outside their their box and their comfort zone. Because, sure. you know, if they have to get up and act a little bit and, you know, as a drummer, I teach them how to use classroom instruments or body percussion. To nice. enhance their story, you know. So and then they don't have to go buy a lot of equipment. Then no, they teach them body no. percussion. Perfect. Very, very few times do they have to go out and buy a whole lot of new stuff if they learn what they already have. Because the first percussion instrument in the world was the human body. I would say the first okay. instrument, because the first instrument was the voice. That's the, voice, the baby, that's the baby crying. And so... Um, uh-huh. Um, I won't call it the baby singing for attention. <laughs> and <laughs> so... Uh-huh. Um, so I, I love the, you know, there, there's so much that a, that a teacher can, can gain from that. So how did you and when did you start uh, Traffic Jam? I want to talk a little bit about that. And how did you make the connection from going? What, what came first? Did you do Traffic Jam after you became a teaching artist or before? And what made you uh, start Traffic Jam? Yeah. So Traffic Jam is only about six years old now, I think. Um, I started a nonprofit organization many, many years ago, like 17 years ago, uh, in an effort to get funding for the schools that would say, we heard about your program, we love the idea of the arts, but you know, when they're making budget cuts, the first thing that they cut is the arts, so we mm-hmm. have no money. Right. So I, I formed the this foundation so that I could solicit grants, uh, and then many years later, I learned about human trafficking. Okay. I was... I went back to my alma mater, uh, Benedictine Academy in Elizabeth, New Jersey, and the girls, they asked me to help them write a song about uh, what their campus ministry project was. And I said, okay, sure, you know, because I'm a songwriter and I'm all about the mechanics of it. So we're going to put up what's 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 the song about? That'll be our chorus. And then well, the facts will go in the verse. And I'm just talking about, you know, the, the structure of a song. And I start collecting the facts, like the data to put on the board. And they start telling me, okay, they said the song is human trafficking. And I misspell it, Devin, because I had, I'd never even heard of it. So I don't put a K in it. But this kind of trafficking is a CK at the end. Mm-hmm. So, so um, they correct me. And then I ask them, okay, now what is it? And they tell me it's the force fraud 
or coercion of another human being for personal gain. And I'm not liking the way this sounds, but I, you know, kind of scratch that out on the board. And then I say, okay, um, so what are the facts? Like, what do you want people to know? We'll put those in the, the verses. And they tell me the youngest person in the system is two years old. The oldest person in the system is 76 years old. Mm. Blows my mind. So then I say, okay, and where does this happen? Because I'm thinking we're making a song, of, you know, for a third world country or something. And then they tell me that uh, the United States, it happens here in the United States and New Jersey, where I'm from, New Jersey is a hot spot for human trafficking. Mm-hmm. because we have so many major highways and you too. So mm-hmm. where, where you are too, we have 95, we have 22, we have 78. We have the, all the thoroughfares, like the, the, they go into New York. So you can take the George Washington bridge, the Holland tunnel, the Lincoln tunnel, but you guys, you have 395, you have 495, you have 95. Mm-hmm. So uh, traffickers abduct or uh, indoctrinate. And I want people to understand that it's not just abduct. It's also indoctrinate. So they do this thing that we call mind hacking. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're victims. And then they run the the corridor, like the East Coast corridor with them. So they stay on the move. It's harder for, they don't want the girls or the boys now because they traffic boys too. They don't want them to know where they are. So they move them around a lot. And it, of course, makes it more difficult for the police to find them if they stay on the move. You know, I have a a friend of mine who is in a high security position in the uh, federal government uh, and he called me. I hadn't talked to him in a while and probably for about an hour nonstop. He began telling me, uh, he said, Devin, continue to do what you're doing for children's music. He says, because I've been I'm I'm just now realizing and I've been. It's been exposed to me through my job. That there is really a a, a organized. You, you you're absolutely right. It's very organized. Yeah. Uh, sex ring mm-hmm. that goes to some of the highest forms of government and people you would never think. And I I also suspect that when uh, and more information is coming out now. But when uh, what's the guy um, oh, Weinstein is one. I'm sure there's some stuff with him. But what was the name of the uh-huh. other gentleman? I, I, my wife and I were just looking at a documentary, and I can't think of his name. But he um, uh, he was allegedly uh, Prince Andrew was connected with him, and all these. Yes. Bill- mm-hmm. I can't think yeah. of the gentleman's name. I'm looking name at now. his face in my yeah. head too, but I can't. And and there, and there are stories coming out about him. But there there's there's something that's going on when we see all these missing children and, and sure. missing people, missing people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they have to be somewhere and there's something sinister going on. And right. so, so what does your nonprofit do, um, in this regard and, um, and how can people help? Yeah. Nice. Thank you. So, um, traffic jam is a division of my nonprofit organization and we use the performing arts to raise human trafficking awareness so that people first can understand that it is happening right here in our local areas and then what you can do to help. So I have a website, trafficjam.org, and that's traffic with a K, jam, like music.org. And it tells you the eight things that you can do really quickly if you want to help. So you can make a donation on the website. There's a book that I wrote called Safe. And it's perfect for young audiences. And I did that because uh, I realized that people are not talking to little kids about it. Uh, When I started 
when I started Traffic Jam and I started calling the schools to say, schools that I've had a long time relationship with, to say, I have a new program and I want to bring it to your schools to educate the children. Uh, they backed off of it. Like they resisted it. They said, um, we don't want to alarm the parents and we don't want to scare the children. So we don't want to talk about human trafficking. So the other thing that I tell people to do is start a conversation about it because it's it's really important to teach people. Like it, it needs to be as common as teaching your children across the street. Like mm-hmm. people... I have parents saying to me, I, I don't want to be a nag and I don't want to you know, keep going through her phone and I don't want to. But all of those things are really important that you don't allow yourself to be dissuaded by um, with the worry that you might you might um, offend or upset your child because these traffickers are relentless. And it's very timely that we are talking about this now with COVID-19 because uh, I'm constantly in training. I'm the arts co-chair with the New Jersey Coalition Against Human Trafficking. And we run trainings all the time to teach people uh, like to recognize the signs and what you can do. And one of the things that um, is very rampant right now is what they call grooming. So because traffickers know that kids are, they have increased their online activity, traffickers have increased their online presence so that they can groom and lure children. So by the time these kids get back on the streets, like outside and out of the, you know, from under the thumb of their parents, um, they feel and believe that they've made a new friend on some sort of video game or in some sort of chat room Indeed. and they're ready to meet their new friend. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what they're doing with them. Mm. Wow. You have a song that goes with your book safe and we want to check that out right now. Kids go have a good time, but before you run and play, there's just one thing I need to hear you say. Is important to me And anyone who cares will want to help me be Safe I gotta be safe Nothing could be more important to me Than safety I'll stay away from strangers Cause they're not my friend I'll always tell my parents Where I'm going Where I've been And when I play I'll always stay in Shouted when I don't feel safe. Safe, I gotta be safe. Safety is important to me, and anyone who cares will wanna help me be safe. I gotta be safe. Nothing can be more important to me than safety. Thank you. 
Um, and so the the website again is Traffic Jam with a CK in there. Is that correct? Yes, Traffic Jam. Yep, CK, CK. So T R A F F I C K J A M dot info. And also, uh, they can re- reach it at nanababies.org. Nanababies.org. Yep, we'll take you to the same place. Okay. Yep. And Nana is N A N A Babies. And that's actually the 501c3 nonprofit organization that Traffic Jam um, kind of falls under. Is that, is that correct? Yes. Yep. Okay. That, that's it. And that's how people are able to make. Um, nonprofit donations. So people want to see this work continue. And people often want to know what their money is going to. 100% of any any of our donations goes into bringing programming into schools mm-hmm. because people, again, schools don't have a budget for this. Now, like I said, I work with the coalition. And so we've done a lot of legislative work, but you have to kind of read the fine print. We, we pushed to have human trafficking education and awareness be a part of uh, the school curriculum. And when we got the law passed in New Jersey, we were so excited. But the fine print of the law basically says that schools have to make resources available. That's mm-hmm. not what we were hoping for. We were hoping that they would put some money behind it and send programs into schools so kids can like learn about it and ask questions. A resource could be a flyer in the nurse's office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's the other part is the mental health component of all of this um, and, and, and the role that the mental health community can play to help um, anyone, any, any of the victims um, mm-hmm. that are, that are struggling with this. Do you, you know, I, I'm, I'm always putting out different numbers, uh, you know, 1-800 numbers and all of that. I don't know if you know of any national organizations that help victims in this way, but if not, and if you don't know it offhand, uh, they can always just email you and you can help, help connect them with the type of services that they need. Is that correct? I would love it if people would email me because we can certainly stay in touch, but I, I can give you the national human trafficking hotline. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So that hotline number, let me just get it for you because there's a New Jersey number, but I know that we're all over. So I but it's to... called the National uh, the Human, Human Trafficking Hotline. Human Trafficking. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay and just... the number is 888-373-7888. Okay. Okay. So that's 1-888-373-7888. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I just want to say, if anybody is listening to this and they need help, like they they feel like they're in trouble, you can text the word "help" to two three three seven three three. Okay, so just go to the text uh, and dial a number to to two three three seven three three, and they can type the they can type help. in "help" or "info." Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think also Help info was enough, and they and and they accept all uh, many over two hundred more languages. This yes. website. Um, uh, from what I'm looking at right now, say that they actually uh, cover. So there's no excuse. Just, just see, just like with anything, you got to ask for help. Once you ask for help, so many, many doors open to you. Right. And there's so many people that are waiting for people uh, to help. And, um, and, and they'll just be so happy to, to be of service. And um, right. okay. So, so right now, now you mentioned, um, your your book safe uh but what other publications and or uh cd projects do you have including some of your inspirational cds 
Well, okay. So in addition to the book Safe, and Safe is in 10 languages. So that's another um, inroad for people. If you want to start having a conversation about safety with your children, you've got to check out the book Safe. And you can get that at um, trafficjams.info. But in addition to that, I have some other children's books. So I have a bilingual book called Character Rocks to teach young children about character. The, my, my heart is for all children, but I don't want the little people. I feel like if we, if we start with the little people and give them a really solid foundation, mm-hmm. these, these good principles will grow up in them. So I'm um, taking the characters of components. I mean, the components of character and putting them in, um, in this storybook about a little girl. And it's actually going to be a series for this virtual learning, but um, I hire professional actors and, and a live band. And that's mm-hmm. what I take into schools with me to act out these scenarios and tell these stories. So Character Rocks is one of the shows. And you, then, um, so you, you say you, you, you take the actors or you, you take, because you said you, you hire actors and professional actors to come in, but do you take those actors in with you or you use that through your, the actors through your book? No, I take these actors into schools with me. Wow. So, yeah, when I do, so we, I do a school tour every year and okay. they're like spot dates, except when we, you know, if we were doing an out of town school, then we might do a week of schools. For instance, Atlantic City, Pleasantville area, we have a lot of clients down there. So we'll go down there and we'll stay the week and we'll do all of the schools like in, in a week long run. Mm-hmm. But um, when I go into schools, when I say that I'm a storyteller, I actually have a cast of performers behind me and I will set it up, like tell the story about a little girl who goes to the rock garden to learn that it's really cool to do the right thing. Uh, Let's see what happens when she meets the rocks. And then I'll Mm -hmm. step off stage and then I have actors who come on and for this particular story, they're dressed like rocks and Mm -hmm. they meet, you know, this little girl and they teach her about, uh, kindness and fairness and what it means to be respectful, those kind of things. And then I come out and I sing a song and it's always fun for the kids because they think I don't see the actors. And they're like, you just missed them. They were on the stage. The rocks, the rocks can talk. Right. You know? right. <laughs> so it's so fun to, so much fun mm-hmm. to expose the right. children to these lessons in this way. And it's a way that they can perceive and, and like conceive and experience lessons that kind of like come off the page. And like I put it up on the stage for them. Okay. And before I go on, this is Uncle Devin, the children's drum cushionist, and you're listening to We Nation Radio podcast. Uh, we have our radio station, we have our podcast, and before too long, we're going to have We Nation TV. And my guest today is uh, teaching artist uh, sensation uh, Wincy of Wincy Cole, uh, W-I-N-C-E-Y. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, and we're just having a converse, a wonderful conversation, pretty much about her career, but right now specifically about some of her work. Um, so you also have a book called Bullying is Wrong. Yes. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So that was my first children's book, Bullying is Wrong. And um, it it happened when bullying just became like an epidemic in mm-hmm. the schools. I mean, I know that for as long as I can remember, I mean, when I was in school, there there was always bullying going on, but uh, the response of the children now is, is very different. So mm-hmm. children, they need they need tools to deal with the bullying right. because it is it's so pervasive now with like all the social media and um, the the exposure that people seem to have to children. 
they need some support around it. So I wrote that book, Bullying is Wrong, to just and, and, and put a song behind it to teach children to uh, to teach the bullies what can happen if they don't get a handle on their behavior and learn mm-hmm. to you know manage their behavior and to teach children who are victims that you're not the only one that bullies want you to think that nobody likes you but you are strong and you are beautiful and you just need to use your voice and if i tell you the reporting that happens after we leave schools how children come up to me at the end of shows and say so and so was bullying me or and so and so and thank you i had the, the courage to speak out uh-huh. uh, they come to my actors and share that and we have schools you know reaching out to us afterwards saying that there had been a long time problem at the school with it and uh, the kids were singing the song afterwards and they saw a difference after the show that helps change your whole life so now you know because you've been told and this advice should help no threatening or gossiping and give your hands to yourself kindness is the way to be and bullying is wrong let's tell the world won't you sing along because if you're pushing bullying is wrong and if you're hitting bullying is wrong and if you're shoving Just not right. Like posting memes that are mean to get likes. Cyberbullying's intimidation on the super highway of information. The possibility of tweets that tease seem to leave these kids never at ease. So please treat others how you want them to treat you. Good friends play nicely, that's what they do. Friends like to play nicely, that's what good friends do. And if you really are a friend, you'll play nicely too. Never try to hurt someone or make somebody cry. Listen up, here's the reason why. Cause if you're pushing, bullying is wrong. If you're hitting, bullying is wrong. If you're shoving, bullying is wrong. If you're kicking, bullying is wrong. If you're humiliating, is wrong. Or intimidating, is wrong. Bullying is wrong. 
Yeah, I think that is important. Even talking to those who are bullying and talking about, you know, things that can happen to them as a result of being bullies. You know, mm-hmm. unfortunately, one of them can be becoming president of the United States, but that's a whole nother issue. Um, <laughs> the current president. Yeah, but anyway, oh <laughs> but, you know, and and I, I know as an, an as an artist, when I go into schools, one of the uh, things that especially when I go into uh, schools that are majority black, um, I'll get teachers that will pull me up and say, oh, I'm so glad that you, you, you're coming. Can you make sure you talk or speak about this issue of uh, calling someone black as an insult? That mm. that's like the worst thing that they can do is call them black. And, you know, and I, I you know, so I, and I, I grew up, I'm dark skinned. I've, I've heard every dark joke you can probably think of. But mm-hmm. um, I also know that it's made out of ignorance and people not knowing right. who they are. Right. Now, you have an African discovery through music CD. I do. I Talk do. a little bit about that. Yeah. So that was born out of that very first program that I did mm. uh, where I went to the schools and it was and it happened. Uh, it was actually divine. But when mm-hmm. I say happened, uh, I, I mean it facetiously. It mm-hmm. happened to be Black History Month. And which, but, by the way, divine is nothing but Devin with the E at the end. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Okay, then. <laughs> so I went to... Um, when I saw the response of the the people in the schools, you know, when, when you do something that, that is natural for you, and I always tell people, do what comes natural, not easy. But when mm. you do what comes natural for you, sometimes you, you are surprised that everybody can't do it because it's just so natural for you. Mm-hmm. you. You often wonder, like, what's the big deal? Like, all I did was sing or all I did was speak or all I did was, but everybody has a gift, Like we Mm -hmm. are all born with a distinct gift. Mm -hmm. And when I went to the school and told those stories and like saw the reaction of the the teachers, not just the the children, but the teachers Mm -hmm. and how they said, oh my gosh, you you gotta make, I wanna buy this. I I wanna Mm -hmm. hear this again. So that was just a natural progression for me to record it uh, because people were saying they wanted to be able to take it home with them. They wanted to hear it. They wanted to tell their children and their grandchildren those stories. So right. I created the story of the, like the slave song up mm-hmm. into uh, like all the songs that are in um, public domain. So up until like, um, mm-hmm. but the brilliance of the African-American is weaved in between mm-hmm. those songs where I talk about how I know the history books don't break it down for you about how brilliant our slave ancestors had to be to escape from slavery. That's right. This was actually a brilliant group of people. We told time by the stars. We counted mm-hmm. our footsteps and we mm-hmm. met you where you said to meet you, when you said to meet you there, all at the onset of singing songs like steal away mm-hmm. and wade in the water. Mm-hmm. So it was a brilliant communication system that people just kind of took, you know, mistook for slave songs. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, before I become a slave or uh, what was that one song that they sung? Um, uh, uh, and uh, uh, I got shoes and you got shoes yeah, and uh-huh. all the children, children got shoes. And, and I love yeah. that part where they say, uh, when I get to heaven, going to put on my shoes, going to march all over God's Little heaven. God's heaven. Uh-huh. And then the other part is everybody's talking about heaven ain't a going there. And, see, uh-huh. <laughs> and, they, and the slave masters, they, they thought we were talking about heaven or something. We were talking exactly. about them at the time. <laughs> but, right. but, then, but then I see you have a CD called um, Inventions, and then you have the Black Wax DVD. And yes. I'm sure there's a connection between those, you know, those two and, uh, and your African Discovery through music CD. Absolutely. Because, you know, African Discovery became a series like all of the work that I do. So when I started, it was, I would introduce myself as, you know, Wincy and I 
I produce musically educating assembly programs. I produce the Black History Show. Mm-hmm. But then when schools were saying, like, this was so great, I wish you could do it with something else, then other shows developed. So now I have a women's history series, a drug awareness series, a character education series, an anti-bullying series, a, a health awareness series, a traffic, a human trafficking awareness series. And so when when I would go back to these same schools every year, I couldn't take the same material because mm-hmm. the kids would go to the school sometime for eight years. You know, right. you that's right. Your kindergarten, that's you right. Don't graduate till your eighth, eighth grade. So kids wouldn't want to see the same show, even though it had been a year. They mm-hmm. kids want to see something new. Yeah. And so I started developing other programs, like other stories, because our history is so rich. All you have to do is do a little research and then turn it into a, a like a a monologue or a some sort of dialogue, hire the right actors and put that production up on stage, put some music in between it. And you are teaching the children a brand new segment of their history. And they are learning again how brilliant they are. So Black Wax was a story about a couple who were going on their first date and he was a history buff and she was sort of like a fly girl. So Mm -hmm. kids love it because she didn't feel like that was, you know, a good first date. Mm-hmm. But as she goes through the Black Wax Museum and she meets like Jackie Robinson and all of these, and she she learns that a black man created the the mailbox and the golf tee and the sugar crystal, all those things. As she goes through the museum, then she really gets in touch with her heritage, and now she's so happy that she went on the date with him. And so from that is the song Inventions, which is the single that people would say, "I I need my children to hear this because I had no idea that." You know, we made super soaker, the almanac, the kitchen table and the bottle cap, electric lamp, coat rack, toilet bowl, hand stamp. And I just keep running them and running them. And people are like, they're amazed. Like a oh, black man did all that. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know, um, you know, and, and if anyone wants to get your your music and books and, and other others, they can go to wincycode.com. That's W-I-N-C-E-Y-C-O.com. Uh, and they can click on shop. And when they do that, they're also going to see some wonderful inspirational CDs. I, I had to call you when I was up one, got up early one morning, was just cleaning up the kitchen. Uh, we're making breakfast rather, and I put the CD on. I'm telling you, that was a time to say. Was it time to say? I think it was the one you sent me. Let me make sure that was the I right one. I sent you. Uh, yeah, it's called. Uh, it it time wasn't God. Say. Yeah, time yes. to say. It wasn't God yes. frequency, but it was no it was marvelous. Time to say. CD. Now yeah, talk about you. talk about those. Talk about those two CDs. Time to say and uh, God's frequency. Okay, so time to say was my first CD. So it was my freshman project, and um. I, God, God had said to me that it's time for you to say what I've given you to say the way I've given you to say it. Mm-hmm. And the history behind that is that when I was in church, I, I sounded very jazzy and they were not so welcoming of that sound. Some of the places, some of the churches that I sang in, cause they felt that that was too much like the mm-hmm. world. they called mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And so then I went out in the industry and I, tried to sing like them and they would kind of give me the like the eyebrow like are you trying to sneak gospel in on us because we mm. don't have gospel in here so i always kind of felt like i didn't fit mm-hmm. and i'm this is really you know a message for who somebody who's listening and feeling like they don't fit any place 
you, you are exactly the way you're supposed to be so that right. you can do the new thing that God has given you to do the way he gave you to do. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, so I, I started writing these love letters to God, just telling him how much I love him and I appreciate him and I'm grateful. And then he said, you know, it's time for you to make a record. And I even said, God, why would I make a record? They didn't like me before. What's going to make them like me now? And he said, it's it's for an audience of one. It's for me. I want you yeah. to make it to that, me. That right there is, we, we can put a pen and just talk about that alone. The yeah. first thing when it comes to anything that you do is you have to, I mean, we, we all have a responsibility to community and, and that, that's, that's that. But you also have to do something for yourself that you love, that is natural, that, that you, it's nothing that you don't do it because you think you're going to make money. Don't do it right. because you think you're right. going to get fame. And it took me a long time to really stop trying to live for my friends and live for my peers. Yeah. Yeah. And, sure. and, and, and it was at that time really that, you know, because I've always said I wasn't going to, I wasn't one of these artists. I wasn't interested in doing the the modern day hip hop and jazz. That that just bored the crap out of me. Uh, that, well, let me see the modern hip hop and 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 R and B, um, because it just wasn't who I was. I'm I'm I I knew I had a mission since you know 19 years old, and I've been on that. Um, but yeah, I had to have more of a meaning to me. So all the music and all the bands I I, I was in always kind of had that greater calling you know from when i've you know was a percussion player with fertile ground to um mm. to when i started my own band called a sense of urgency you know it was everything oh, nice. was based on on that type of uh calling but uh but i love uh that story that you just told about being yourself really that's there's nothing greater that you can yeah. do than to be yourself nothing yeah absolutely and you won't get any rest either until no. you until you are just yourself that's right. You 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 can't be a bad copy of yourself. You That's right. You have to be yourself. You won't get any. I tell people all the time. People call me. You know, I publish books for people, and um, they they often call me and they're like, "Well, how much can I sell the book for?" And I want to make a lot of money. And do you market? And and I always tell people that my job is the, the ministry of book publishing that God gave me is to be a midwife to people because mm-hmm. everybody is born with like, like something to do. You have something that you came to this earth to do. Mm-hmm. And art is like being pregnant. There comes mm-hmm. a time when it's not safe for a woman to be pregnant anymore. And that's why we have cesarean. Okay. If you don't get that baby out of that woman, she will, th- that baby will die and take that mother with the baby. With right. It. Right. And art is the same way. People, if you would put your art in front of your need to make a dollar, and I'm not saying you shouldn't get paid because I do get paid, but if you would, if you would lead with your art, like my Wincy Co slogan is touching hearts with the arts. If mm-hmm. you would lead, if if you will allow my art to touch your heart, and you will allow your art to touch somebody else's heart, you will be so fulfilled. And I believe if you do what you love, the money will follow. I believe. Mm-hmm. Now, and and then uh, we're not going to take too much more time, but I want you to talk a little bit about uh you have a song that's been played on sesame street or that may be still playing played on sesame oh street? yes 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 you do your research <laughs> hey. you better not come on this show trying uh, to right. skeletons I'm a, you I'm will a, pull them right out the closet i'm so. a professional and I'm <laughs> I, love <it. laughs> I love it i hear it <laughs> so, yeah so the song is count me in. and I did that song uh, many years ago with uh, a guy named Kenny, who's actually the um, musical director for the 
the show on Broadway now, The Temptations. Okay. And, um, yeah, Kenny just, it, it was another one of those session things. Like, I, hey, Quincy, you want to just do a quick song for me? And when you do those things, you never know where they're going to land. Mm-hmm. But um, Sesame Street accepted the song. And what I love most about the song, so it was me, Kenny, and another young girl who was um, singing on the project. And it's all about... Um, being like whoever you are, you're special and you're important and you can win and everybody is important. So count me in. And I I feel like that is really a message for right now Mm -hmm. because so many people are feeling, especially with what's going on in the world today with, you know, uh, the, the marches and the, uh, the the Breonna Taylor marches Mm -hmm. and the Ahmaud Barbary and, and the George Floyd and the Mm -hmm. heartbreak that people are experiencing. And we as a people are feeling over being treated as if we are so inconsequential and so unimportant. Um, That song, somebody actually, a girlfriend of mine sent me an inbox of um, Sesame street talking to, so Grover, Elmo's father on Sesame Mm -hmm. street. I didn't Mm -hmm. even know Elmo had a father, but. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Elmo's father was talking to him about racism and how hurtful it is and how, Everybody should really just love and respect each other. Wow. Yeah, now, I'm, and speaking of research, this may or may not be you. I don't know. Does the name NC Wincy Spider ring a bell by any chance? You know what? It's not me, but I okay. have heard it and it's not how I was named. But when I um, when I Google, when people Google me, a lot of times that comes up. Okay. When I Google me, I see that too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and it's spelled the way I spell my name too. But what about Believe in Love? Gosh, yes, you really, this is scary. So you were trying to hide this one from me. (laughs) Wow, that was from a long time ago. And that was a session that I did with an old, old friend named Jason. And um, Jason did a lot of like um, techno music from Mm -hmm. the UK. Mm -hmm. And um, he just happened to love like that, like a kind of like a gospel whale Mm -hmm. that I could do. So when he came, whenever he would come from the UK, Yes. produce a record he mm-hmm. would call me the fine young cannibals will call me if you mm-hmm. know if they're in the country uh to do some stuff for them so oh, okay really so now the name dennis taylor oh wow <laughs> <laughs> see, i'm getting it all in here see I know. this, this is, is the like, wincy your life <laughs> this is the wincy taylor terry story <laughs> and we're getting all of it out here but Talk a little bit. I mean, and and and, and but by the way, what I'm all I'm doing right now is I, I just went into Amazon and typed in Wincy because if you want to purchase her stuff, you can go to her site wincycode.com. You can purchase it there, but a lot of her stuff is also um, a lot of your stuff is also on uh, Amazon. Just type in Wincy and you can find it. And this is how I'm finding a lot of this right now. Wow, I need to go to Amazon. And type yes, right. Wincy. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Dennis Taylor is a great, he's a smooth kind of R&B singer mm-hmm. who um, was produced by a good friend of mine. And um, we did some touring of the of like Blackpool in England. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we, we went all over the UK with Dennis Taylor. And he had this song, it was a big song on a station up here. No. Enough, and that was um, I, I did it and overdubbed myself. So, uh, for people who don't know about studio work, you can go in there by yourself. If you saw the movie Ray, I always tell mm-hmm. people that if you saw the movie mm-hmm. Ray and mm-hmm. you saw how Jamie Foxx portrayed 
Ray Charles when the girls walked out on him and he overdubbed himself. So yeah. I did that song, that Nuff's Enough on the Dennis Taylor record, and I did it all by myself. So I was in there just overdubbing, overdubbing. Wow. Overdubbing. <laughs> One DJ's a rubbing, the other's overdubbing. And I'm <laughs> just on. loving every minute of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Well, you know, I, um, I, I love the create this platform to do exactly what we're doing uh, for We Nation Radio, for all artists, but certainly for artists, uh, for, for black artists and, and, and those of the African descent, because very rarely do you get a chance to tell your story like this. Yeah, um, right. yeah. And, 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 and have people hear it and, and really hear the, the breadth and the depth of the of, of the work that 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 we all do but certainly here what what you do and so yeah. i i'm looking forward to working with you i know you and i have talked and uh, hopefully you know in a very short period of time we'll talk about a collaboration between um uncle devin the uncle devin show and um traffic jam or you know or, or your nonprofit and That'd um awesome. so you know cuz i've always you know uh you know, when I heard about the issue of uh, of human trafficking and its impact right. on children and, yeah. you know, it, it fits right into what I'm dealing with. And that is trying to get rid of uh, eradicate music adultification, uh, <sighs> where we force our children to listen to inappropriate adult music, uh, which normalizes this anti anti-social behavior and this uh, sex predator, sex and predator, predator type of, uh, you know, stuff that's going on in our community. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. Music, music is a grooming of its own. So music is its its own kind of grooming and, and people, if you're listening to this, you can understand that because music has an effect, like an impact on your attitude. So when Mm -hmm. they want people to calm down, they play calming music. Yeah. And when they want to rile people up, if you're watching a movie, you can mm-hmm. tell when something bad is about to happen mm-hmm. because the music will get tense. That's right. We call attention music. That's so right. Music grooms your children, not just the lyrics, but definitely the lyrics, mm-hmm. but sometimes just the the beats. In fact, there's a statistical link between children who um, are argumentative or violent and children who play angry video games with that tension music in the background. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That and that's what that's what we are all about, and that's what you will find and you'll you'll have here at uh, uh, We Nation Radio. So once again, give your contact information on how people can reach you. Yes, people should look me up on wincyco.com, W-I-N-C-E-Y-C-O.com. And you will find all of the links to all of the things that I've been speaking about. You can even get to Traffic Jam from there. So again, W-I-N-C-E-Y-C-O.com. Okay. Well, Wednesday, thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule to come and just have a nice conversation. Um, I'm gonna start calling it my popcorn conversation. I'm gonna get my my bowl of popcorn <laughs> and popcorn. <laughs> and uh, but uh, and again, I, I wish you the best. Uh, it's, I, I'm grateful to the Most High to have to have gotten to know you and your husband, and um, I'm looking forward to a, a you know a long relationship of us working together. Yes. Um, as we try to transform society to, um, you know, to help help humanity, especially our babies. Yeah, thank you, thank yeah. you for what you're doing. Thank you for making this space because there are not, I don't know if there are any other children's radio stations for us. 
Yeah, I, I'm. I'm hoping we we can change that, but um, but you're welcome, and and you know, and don't be surprised. I'll call you back. We you know so many other topics that we need to cover, so uh, right. we'll see what we can we can come up with. Let's do it. Thank you so much, Devin. You're welcome. Take care, right. and okay. and to everyone else that's listening, thank you for tuning in to Uncle Devin's show here on W. Oh, they gonna say I'm about to say my my show on um on the radio, but um here on we nation radio and we hope to see you again real real soon in fact i'm trying to see how can i get my my music to play here um i'm still learning this technology but nonetheless i'm going to tag off but make sure you subscribe to uh, our podcast but also go to we nation radio.com and make sure that your uh, family and friends are, are listening and um and and again this station is for children um, zero to 12 to provide, provide them with age appropriate and culturally relevant music. So we hope that, uh, you will, um, you will tune in and, uh, and until then, I hope you all had a good time. Did you have a good time? All right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, we'll talk to you soon. This is, uh, uncle Devin here on we nation radio until we meet again, be safe.